They were going to use me climbing up a rope to show manhood, but uh, couldn't get off the ground. So <laughs> I'm not, I was a kid in gym class, you know, when they did the rope climbing thing where the gym teacher's yelling at them. I'm just stuck at the bottom, you know, <laughs> swinging on it. Uh, that was me. Um, I appreciate the guys coming up and doing music for us um, from the main campus again. And what I, what I enjoy, too, is that we have some... Uh, um, I just lost a word. Um, variety, thank you. That's a big word for me. It's over four words. So, uh, Yeah, variety. You know, some weeks we have the band up here. Other weeks it's kind of an unplugged feel. And, uh, you know, so I appreciate that. Here's another thing I love about Grace Point Church. We've, uh, we've got people that took the challenge uh, several weeks ago when I was saying, hey, we need people to get involved. We're growing as a church. We need people to get involved in doing uh, ministry, and we have people step up and do that. We've had several new um, servers this week, and really appreciate that. I know that's encouraged those who have been serving this past year, and um, so thanks for doing that. Along with that, um, we have what we call, what I'm calling our men's leadership group, and it's uh, right now it's seven guys who are meeting with me once a month, and we're talking about doctrine, theology, and ministry philosophy, and uh, just kind of building up um, our men's leadership in our church. Uh, not that they're necessarily going to be, you know, leading every ministry we have, but we want guys who are grounded biblically and understand what their role is as, a, as men. And so the guys who do the offering time, uh, oftentimes, if you don't see me, it's one of our guys from our men's leadership group. So one of the things that I'm known for is I, uh, I have a tendency to turn up the heat on people when it comes to ministry, because we always want people moving forward and growing, and so the guys come up, and uh, a lot of them are like, I don't know if I want to do the, you know, I don't want to get up in front of people. Um, but one of the things I found out from my own personal life is until you're challenged with that, you never know if that's something that God might want to do in and through you in the future. So um, I had a youth pastor who did that to me. I didn't really want to get up in front of the youth to speak, but he gave me the opportunity. It's kind of like, hey, this is, this is kind of fun. I can actually do this. So... Um, anyways, well, I just wanted to make sure I stated those things before we got started. Um, <clears throat> this, this past week, uh, and I'm sure you guys, same way, have been saddened with what's, you know, taking place down in Florida, and really kind of what's taking place uh, throughout our, our country. Um, our country is kind of screwed up. Uh, the world is screwed up. And, um, yeah. I don't know if it's um, the fact that we have 24-7 media, um, if we, now we have social media where people can vent and give their opinion. It's really kind of interesting because like on Facebook and, and all these other stuff that people put stuff out on, and again, I'm up on there too, so I see them. People are very uh, strong with their opinion when when they're behind the computer, you know? And, and, I, and that, that causes more, you know, venting and more frustration and more anger. And things are said probably in a way that they would never be said if it was a face-to-face -face conversation. But um, here's one of the issues. People seem to be pointing their fingers at a lot of different things. You know, law enforcement, guns, schools, um, you know, society, immorality, you know, whatever. But my, my parents always told me, don't ever point your finger because you're only pointing one finger, but there's three pointing back at you. And I, I really think, you guys, this has been on my heart and my mind, that maybe we need to stop pointing our fingers at everything else and, and do the hard thing and point, look at these three that are pointing back at us. Look at ourselves, evaluate ourselves. Look at what's going on in my life, what's going on within my family, and how am I impacting my community. And I think that's probably the more effective way to handle it. You know, we're never going to solve the problem of evil. That's Jesus' responsibility. But we can impact our society. We, we can impact people's lives. We can bring good into our society. But it starts, again, with, with us, our, our families. And it starts really 
with us men. Uh, according to Scripture, anyways, and again, we believe God's given us the way to live life through the Word, the Bible. And so God has said, men, you have a huge responsibility in order to make this right. But here's what happens. We, we fail to teach the next generation, our kids, and then they grow up and they're not well-suited to face whatever's coming down the pike for them, and they can't raise their kids properly. And so then they're not well-suited to face what's coming down the pike for them, and they don't raise their kids properly. And pretty soon you have a moral issue happening. You have people who are not living life the way God has said to do it, and society, well, we have what we have today in society. Morality slips, evil grows. So the next three weeks, what we want to do in this uh, series, Rite of Passage, is we want to look at some um, biblical qualities that God says needs to be a part of a man's life. All right? So we're going we're gonna to look at that this next three weeks because um, one of these days, you guys, this is one of my usual sayings, one of these days we're going to stand before the Lord for how we were men, how we measured up to what God said a man is supposed to be. And, and I, I said I'm not going to do any man bashing, and I'm, I'm going to do my best, because I don't want to hit myself. <laughs> okay, <laughs> But I do want to challenge you guys out here, and those who might be listening and picked us up off of Facebook or whatever, I want to challenge you guys, I want to encourage you guys. So here's my first challenge to you. God's not going to really care about, you know, where you ended up in your company. How much money and prestige you earned in your business. Okay? God's not going to be really impressed with how many levels you made in the last computer game. He's not going to be impressed with sexual prowess and how many conquests you had. Even though Hollywood right now it doesn't know what to do. <laughs> that was the cool thing in Hollywood, wasn't it? And, and now that's blowing up in their faces. He's not going to be impressed with you know, your hobbies, how many toys you have, how dangerous your activities are, how well you maintained your body and physical fitness. When we stand before the Lord one of these days, you guys, that's what we're going to bring to him oftentimes. Okay? He's not going to be impressed. He doesn't ultimately care about those things. So the question is, what does impress God? What does it mean to be a real man in God's eyes? How do we as men need to live our lives and lead our families to make an impact, impact for Christ in our families and our society? That's what we're going to be talking about. Before I get there, though, I want to talk to you ladies, all right? This is what I call a word to the wives. <laughs> uh, word to the wives, word to the wives. Thank you, thank you. I'm here. Thank you. Every Sunday, 1030. Thank you. All right, all right. Um, number one is this, because this is for you who are married or hope to be married one day. Number one is this. These next three weeks, don't check out. All right, don't go, well, husband, uh, dear, you go to church, I'm going to go to the coffee shop. All right, come here, come in, because these principles, though they're directed towards men, the principles, the biblical principles are important for you as well. All right, so don't check out, don't start getting on your Facebook account, you know, do a little, you know, my church, you know, okay, no selfies. I tried a selfie stick for the first time, this shows how cool I am. I tried a selfie stick this week. You know, kind of, it's pretty fun. Anyways, secondly, ladies, you want your man to be the man God wants him to be. All right? You may have an idea of what you want your man to be, just like guys have a tendency to, you know, want what, want their wife to be what they, they want her to be. But you want your man to be the man God wants him to be because that's the perfect man for you. Okay? That's who you need 
in your life for you to move towards Christ and be encouraging your walk with the Lord. Not the only thing, but a very important part. And then thirdly, and this is where I step on potentially some toes, don't fear or stunt your husband's spiritual growth. And I get a little irritated with this. I see it way too much. The husband, you know, comes to me, let's just say, or the husband hears something at church and, and wow, I need to change what I'm doing. I need to do what I need to do. And he gets into the family, and he's, of course, this is going to be awkward for him because he hasn't been doing it. So he's going to walk in, he's going to trip, he's, he's going to be like a little kid who has a hard time walking. And he starts to do what God calls him to do, and then the wife belittles him. Makes a joke of it. Says, oh, you're just doing that because the pastor told you to, or you just want something back from me. Yeah! <laughs> you know, don't, please, ladies, don't fear. Don't stunt your man's spiritual growth. You are the most powerful part of his life and you can destroy him with a word or you can encourage him with a word and I'm encouraging you pray for him, encourage him even though it looks awkward it is awkward we'll find out why it's awkward for guys but it is please don't, I've seen it too many times and it discourages the guy and he says why try it so ladies please do your part. Encourage your man. Pray for your man. If you're not married, be praying for a godly man who's willing to take a step and do what needs to be done to be a man of God. Well, I answer this question about man, and we're going to look at uh, a great man in the Bible, and that's King David, right? Everybody, if you've been to church at all, you know about King David. If you haven't been to church, King David, it was the whole package, right, ladies? I mean, he got statues made of this guy. Um, I didn't want to put it up there because, <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> I wasn't going to say something like they caught him with his pants up. But anyways, well, he did. I mean, have you seen the statue? Okay, I'm sorry. Getting carried away. But he was. He was the whole, he was the whole man. He was, he was a shepherd, you know, hard worker. He was a, a poet and a musician. Huh, ladies? little love song going on there, right? He was a warrior. He killed beasts, lions. He, he killed lions with his bare hands. He killed a, a bear at least once with his bear, a bear, an animal, not, you know, knock one down. He's a bear. Be, bear. <laughs> my family makes fun of me because I just, it's the same word for me in my head. I, bear. He killed Goliath. Right? This guy was awesome. He was a king. He, was, he had huge victories. He had massive defeats. He had joy, you know, just heart full of joy, and yet he goes into the darkest pit of depression. I mean, literally, this guy was a whole package. This guy did everything. And so I think it's important for us to look at David... Because God says something about him, in spite of all this, besides of all who he is, you know, again, he was a, a husband and a father, and we're going to talk about that next week more than this week. But despite all that, look, look what God says about David in 1 Samuel 13, 14. It says, but now for, uh, he's talking so he's talking about Saul, and Saul's kingdom is going to be ripped from him. God's going to take Saul's kingdom away. He's no longer going to be king because he didn't do it God's way. Okay? So he says this about David, But now your kingdom shall not endure, Saul. Your kingdom will no longer endure. The Lord has sought out for himself a man after his own heart. Can you imagine being called a man after God's own heart, guys? To know that? I mean, to me, that would be kind of a cool thing. And the Lord has appointed him as ruler over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. So Saul didn't do it God's way, and so his kingdom was being torn from him. David 
was a man after God's own heart, and so God was going to elevate him into the, the king of Israel. And again, he's, a, he's called a man after God's own heart, own heart. Now, you know, David was not perfect, right? We're going to talk about that this morning. David was not a perfect man. Thank the Lord. But he had a heart for God. He had a desire for God. He wanted to know what God's word said about God, and he wanted God to be a part of his life. He pursued God. And that's the key element in David's life. What got him through all the issues that he went through. Later on, as the selection process began, uh, 1 Samuel 16, um, so they still went through this whole process, uh, even though God had picked David. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature. So as they're looking at different people to be king, we're not supposed to be looking at this, you know, different things that we would look at, what we think, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Okay? So, God's looking at our hearts, men. He's looking at what motivates us. What are we pursuing in this life? That's what God's going to be looking at when he looks at us and he sees us. If you want to be a real man, God's telling us through David that we need to pursue God. So we're going to take a test this morning, all right? You ready? A little uh, impromptu test. Uh, it's an open book test. <laughs> um, so it shouldn't be too difficult. But what we want to do is we want to look at three um, difficult situations that David found himself in. Because these three difficult situations do a couple things for us. Number one, it's when we go through difficult times that really reveals where we're at. Okay? When we're going through difficult times, that's when it really reveals what our motivation is ultimately. Where our head is at. Where our heart is at. And the other thing is, these are three very common issues for men, okay? And they're all found in David's life. And so we want to look at these this morning and, and see where our heart's at. Are we pursuing God or not? And we'll find the first one is, is that David pursued God when he was in a fight for his life. And it's, it comes out of um, 1 Samuel 17, all right? It's going to be up on the screen, but I also have it here in the Bible. I want you to know that it's actually in the Bible. So 1 Samuel 17, 31 through 37, David comes out to the battlefield. He hears about this Goliath guy who's threatening Israel. He's going to take apart all of Israel. This guy's a giant, literally. He's a giant, nine foot tall, whatever he was, massive. And so it says this, When the words which David spoke were heard, because he had been talking to the other soldiers, they told them to Saul, and he sent for him. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. By the way, he was probably a teenager at this time. He'd come out to see how his brothers were doing in the battle. Then Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, while he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went out after him and attacked him. Can you imagine that scene? You got this the lion, he's got a lamb in its mouth, walking along all happy, and he gets jumped on by a human. It's kind of reverse of what you see, you know, a leopard running through, attacking something. Mountain Dew runs after him, jumps on top. I, wanna, I went out after him and I attacked him, and rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, God be with you. Well, he didn't say that. He said, go and may the Lord be with you. So we learn from David, first of all, that a man pursues God when he's in a fight for his life. Men, do you realize 
that we are in a fight for our life. I can't stress that more than I'm stressing it now. We have a tendency, for whatever reason, to not see reality in front of us. Especially for a follower of Christ, we are in a fight for our life. We have our own lion. We have our own attacker. In 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, Peter says this, Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. Listen, Satan and his philosophy has permeated this world. And there is nothing in, in, in this world that is helping us or preparing us to be the men God wants us to be. There is nothing. Think about it. Your friends who don't know Christ, your co-workers, who do, are they helping you? Are they preparing you? Probably not. I know the ones, those that are not believers in my life, they kind of, it, it, it draws me away from God. It, it, it tempts me to do life in a different way. The stuff we watch on TV, the stuff we see on the internet, the, are those things preparing us? Are those things encouraging us to fight against Satan and the, and the philosophy that he has in this world to destroy us? We're going to talk more about this next week, but how about our schools? You guys, I've worked in schools. I was a youth pastor for years. And people want to say the world has changed. I don't think the world's changed that much. We just see it more. But here's the deal, you guys. We send our little chicks off to school. You think the school is doing anything to prepare our kids to be in the... In, the man's side, to be men of God? Now I'm really going to step on some toes. Well, let's just put them into sports. Let's put them into some other activity. Let's make sure they get involved in the school activities. Great, let's do that. But let's do that to impact those places for Christ. Because I'll guarantee you, their sports team is not helping them. That extracurricular activity is not helping them. Those other events they go to, picket, is not helping them. It's not preparing them. It's not pushing them towards Christ. It's Satan's philosophy, and he's going to try to tear them from your hands. And too often, men, we stand by and we let it happen. It's got to stop. We've got to know that this is a battle that we're in. We are in a fight for our lives. We're in a fight for our families. And we see all the stuff on the internet about, you know, who's to blame for this and who's to blame for that. Man, like I said, three fingers pointing back. It's us. As Christians, us as Christian men, every man likes a good challenge, right? We like to figure things out and fix it. Let's figure this out and let's fix it. There's also another attacker that we have, and that's our own flesh. And this has really been hitting me this week. Remember back to Genesis 3, right? Adam and Eve, perfect. In the garden, God says, don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Satan comes into the situation. He goes after Eve. Okay? God told Adam the command. Didn't tell Eve. It was Adam's responsibility to convey the message, and to protect the family. Eve is deceived, takes the fruit. We have to kind of read into this, but she gave the fruit to Adam afterwards, which means what? Adam, watching Satan attack his wife, tempt his wife, twist scripture. 
watch her look at the fruit and think, hey, is it good? It looks good. What Satan's telling me sounds pretty good. Adam is passive. That's one of the major sins that men fight in this world, is passivity, doing nothing. God created Adam, and he gave him a responsibility, and through Adam gives all of us men a responsibility. And that is that, number one, we must, we must know God. And that we must lead our family in knowing God. But the vast majority of men, Christian men, men who say have given their lives to Christ, are sitting on the sideline, not just watching their family happen, just watching the world happen. Involved in their hobbies, involved in their work, involved in their toys. I could tell you story after story of spiritually passive fathers and the impact it has on their kids and on their marriage. I can tell you the impact that my spiritual passivity had on my family. I have people come into my office and say, Hero, life's a mess. Fix it. That's what they're saying. Pastor, fix it. So I sit down with whoever's in my office and I start asking questions. Where do you think I'd go right away? <laughs> Those of you guys who know me, where do you think I'm going? So let me just kind of get the background. Here's what's going on in your life. Okay, here. Now, you put your faith in Christ? Yeah, yeah, yeah I've done that. Okay. So how much time are you spending like each week, let's say, in the Word? Well, you know, I got this going on, I got that going on, and I got this going on, and I got that going on. And so you'd say you're not much in the Word. No, no. How much time do you guys spend together as a family praying together, reading God's Word? <laughs> Have you seen our schedules? Oh, my word. Can't do that. Spiritual passivity. Let's not kid ourselves, you guys. <laughs> Our kids, and if, if you've already raised kids, you've got grandkids, are watching. And they're paying attention. And if you're playing a church game, they're going to figure you out. And they may act like they're obeying you and they're all good with it. But when they get out of your house, it was a game to my parents. It's nothing for me. Okay? Spiritual passivity. If we think we could do life without God, we're either naive or we're being spiritually irresponsible. Because no matter how the world may look at things and what they think about men, God's looking at us guys and he's saying, that's your job. And we're going to stand before him one day for that. Look at, in contrast, look at what David says in, in verse 37. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. David pursued God, and in his pursuit of God, there was confidence in God because he knew that as he pursued God and gave it to God, God would do the work. God would take care of it. At least ten times in David's Psalms, he says, meditate. I've meditated on your word. I've meditated on your word day and night. Man, that cut me to the heart one time. I, could, I, I was having problems sleeping. And, and I would get up, I'd watch TV, I'd do everything else but what the Bible tells me to do, and that is meditate on the word. So I would lay there in bed, and I would quote scripture over and over and over in my head until I fell back to sleep. That's what David did. That's what we need to be doing. Problem is, we're not even in the word. How do we do that? Holy Spirit doesn't just pop something in your head. We've got to be in the Word, meditating on His Word. The Psalms are full of David's commitment to pursue God, no matter what the circumstances, no matter where, what he was feeling emotionally. Here's another deal, guys. We sit there and we're like, oh, yeah, it's not going to work. David said, well, as soon as he got to that point, that's when he really worked hard at pursuing God. That's where he really trusted in God. We need to be firm in our faith. That's what Peter said in the verses that we looked at. Resist Satan, firm in your faith. What's that mean? Faith meaning God says to do life a certain way. I'm being attacked. That doesn't mean we go away from God's way. We go 
into God's way. We push into that. We've got to pursue God when we're in a fight for our lives. And if you don't think we're in a fight for our lives, let's get together for coffee and I'll tell you how we're in a fight for our lives. Okay? Because I see it. I see it in my own family. And I see it in the families of people that I minister to and have ministered to over the years. Well, it was another difficult time in, Satan, in David's life when he showed his manhood by pursuing God. And that's when life didn't make sense, when he was confused by what he thought God was doing. How many times have we been there, guys, right? Well, wait a second. I thought, I'm doing life, and then, you know, well, David was there as well. And the Psalms are full of times like this for, uh, for, for David. And in Psalm 13, just one of the shorter Psalms that he writes in this situation, he says this, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever been there. I have. I can tell you. I, can, I have pictures in my head of places I've been where I've prayed that almost exact prayer. How long will you hide your face from me? In other words, God, where are you? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him. And my adversaries will rejoice when I am shaken. In the midst of all that emotion, all that uncertainty, all that wondering, God, where are you? He didn't stop. He said this, but I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. If you've had those times, you know how difficult it is to get past it. David was having a difficult time getting past it. God told him, you're going to be the next king. But the current king is chasing me and trying to kill me. God, where are you? I could lose my life here. I don't understand your plans. I don't get it. But David then pursued God. He doesn't question God any further. He doesn't get angry or bitter at God. Kind of a cool thing. God lets him question to the extent that he does. But then, what's, what's to say here? He, he trusted in your loving kindness. What I'm going through is not showing that God hates me, but it's, it's, he's allowing this and he's loving He's kind. He's doing something with us. Um, My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I'm going to look forward to what it is that you're going to do, and I'm going to rejoice in that. I'm going to be looking forward to that. I'm going to be excited about that. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Because he did what he's done in the past, I'm going to focus in on what he's done in the past, and I'm going to look to the future and say, okay, he's done that. He loves me. He cares for me. He's, He's rescued me from that. And so I'm going to face this even though I don't quite understand it, based on what I know about who God is, but we have to pursue God to know Him. It keeps going back to that. If we're not in the Word, we don't know who God is. We don't know that we can trust Him. And if we've been living life without Him, we have nothing to go back to when we see something in the future we don't understand. It's a vicious circle to spiral downward. It's dangerous. It's destroying our lives. The final difficult circumstance where David showed that he wasn't just a sinful man. And you knew I would get this one. I'm sure you did. But here's the cool thing. He also showed that he was a man who pursued God. You guys know the story, right? The story of Bathsheba. David is back at the palace when he should have been leading his armies in war. But he wasn't. He was at the palace. Kind of hanging out, doing his thing palace higher up than all the other buildings, looks down, Bathsheba's thinking, well, I'll be on the roof, nobody can see me, taking a bath, enjoying the sun, you think she'd burn her skin that way, but whatever, she's laying there, taking her bath, you know, a bunch of illustrations we could do here, you know, David takes a glance, walks away, probably would have been a good thing, 
But a typical man, his glance turns into a stare. His stare turns into, hmm. His hmm turns into, ah, uh, yeah, I just want to get to know who she is. Yeah, just, you know, nothing here. I just want to get to know who she is. Let's bring her up to the pals. Next thing you know, they're sleeping together. She gets pregnant. And being a man that David is, the human man that he is, says, hey, you got a plan? I'll bring your husband home from battle. You guys spend some time together, you know. Then when you get, when he sees that you're pregnant, he'll think it's his. Uriah's not going to have that. Uriah's faithful to King David. No, I'm going to go back to battle. So David's like, okay. Uriah goes into battle. The, the warriors, the soldiers are told to back off. And Uriah is killed at David's command. What a mess. Right? <laughs> then the kicker is, David gets found out. 2 Samuel 12, 1-15. David's found out. Guys, you ever been found out? And the Lord said to Nathan, or Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said, and he's going to give him a little illustration here. There were two men in one city, one rich, one the other poor. And the rich man had many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he bought and nourished. And he grew up together with him and his children. He would eat of his bread and drink of his cup and lie in his bosom and was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man. He was unwilling to take from his own flock or his own herd to prepare for the wayfarer who had come to him. Rather, he took the poor man's ewe lamb and he prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger burned greatly against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, surely the man who has done this deserves to die. He must make restitution for the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and had no compassion. Nathan then said to David, you are the man. David thought Nathan was talking about somebody in his kingdom. Well, he was. He's talking about David. Thus said the Lord of Israel, it is I who anointed you king over Israel, and it is I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. I also gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your care, and I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too, late, too little, I would have added to you many more things like these. Why have you despised the word of the Lord by doing evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword, that was the husband, and have killed him with the sword of the sons of Ammon, that's the enemy, killing David's own man. Now therefore, you know, I just thought of it now, kind of an interesting parallel, right? Men, we step back. You know, our family's out there, the enemy. Now therefore, the sword shall never depart your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against you from your own household. I will even take your wives before your eyes and give them to your companion, and he will lie with your wives in broad daylight. Indeed, you did us secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and under the sun. Then David said to Nathan, Ah, come on. It wasn't that bad, really. It only happened once. David said to Nathan, I've sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has taken away your sin, you shall not die. However, because of this deed you have given occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born to you shall surely die. And on that, Nathan went home. David screwed up massively. I know screw-ups by men lesser than that, that has derailed that man's life and his family. David screwed up massively. And yet, being a man of God, being someone who pursued God, when the sin was found out, when he was confronted by the sin, he confessed it. 
You can read Psalm 51 for more detail. He confessed it. He took the consequences, the discipline from God. But he pursued God. He went after God. The tendency, you guys, is we screw up, we mess up, and then we're like, God doesn't want anything to do with me, and I'm just, you know, I'm just in a... We just kind of walk away from it. That's not what God wants us to do. God knows that we're human. God knows we're screwed up. God knows that we're tempted. We need to pursue God like David did. Again, he, he was rebuked. He confessed his sin. He repented. He weathered the consequences. And he recovered because he was a man of God. He pursued God. Okay, we kind of need to get up and maybe shake this one off a little bit. <laughs> kind of so the weight on us this morning, guys. We have to respond. I don't know where you guys are at. I, I can't be your Holy Spirit, but I'm guaranteeing you God is talking to each and every one of you at some level or another. So here's what I do as we close. I want to challenge you guys with something. Number one is this. Some of you guys might be sitting here going, I'm hearing what you're saying. I feel like I'm, you know, I've screwed up. I've messed up. I've done something. I haven't been the man of God I'm supposed to be. I haven't been pursuing God. Then you need to be like David. And you need to man up. You need to step up and say, I'm sorry. I confess. I'm wrong then you need to, whatever consequences those are, and then you need to pursue God. That's what he's calling some of you guys to do, I'm sure. If you're weary from the fight, you're like, Harold, I'm trying to do it. I'm, I'm trying to do this. And I'm smacked by everything in my life. I'm trying to do this. You guys, keep going with it. But do it the way David did. Take the opportunity when you're by yourself to get into the Word, to spend time. David wrote the Psalms. Spend time in Psalms. Read the Psalms. Pray the Psalms back to God. Make them your own. And let God be the one who gives you the confidence, who, who gives you the strength to move forward. I'm going to ask Caleb to come up. He's going to lead us in a, in a final song. And... Um, when you're ready to go, just go. You can stand them as well if you like. But we don't do this very much. Um, but if you're here this morning, guys, and you're like, I need to, I need to do business with God, then you take this song and you do business with God. And if it helps, if it kind of forces you to do something that you haven't done before, and that's going to be kind of a key point in point in your head for future, you feel free to come up to. the the stairs here and spend time in prayer. I know most of you guys are just offering it. Okay? I'm going to be off to the side. You can come over if you want to talk with me. Caleb's going to lead us in that song. You do business with God and then I'll come back up and close. Caleb?
standing uh, just a couple things before we, we close and that's this I waited till the end bring this to a positive I know that there are guys out here right now mm-hmm. who are doing this and I know there's guys out here who have been convicted and they want to be men who pursue God and I just want to cheer you guys I want to thank God for you because as you guys be the men God wants you to be your life is going to change I'm not saying it's going to necessarily get easier, but it's going to be fuller. It's going to be better. Your families will change, and our church will change. All for the good. All for what God wants. Second thing is this. Guys, we're going to make a concerted effort to get some things rolling for us here at our church. Okay? So mark this on your calendar, March 10th. We're going to do a little coffee and donut time. 
because God blesses donuts and makes them healthy when they're at churches. So just so you know, <laughs> I've already prayed about we'll bless it and whatever we got to do. But we're going to be over here in our, in our quad in our fellowship hall over here. And uh, I'll get more details out to everybody. But we're going to meet. We're going to get together. We're going to hang out. Uh, we don't do, um, we're, you know, we're not going to try to make you guys women. We're not going to do what the women do. Okay? We're guys. Uh, we'll have a little project for you so we can get things ready as well for the uh, birthday party that we're going to have on the 18th. But it um, won't take all your day, just a few hours in the morning. Okay? Make an effort to be there. Get to know the other guys in our church. And we're going to be, like I said, uh, giving you some other ideas as we go along. And then thirdly, guys, you never have to do this alone, okay? If nobody else is here for you, and I know there are guys here for you to, to help you, encourage you, I'm here. And, and I will help you. I will spend time with you. I'll do what I can do to help you and, per, and push you forward and, and help you get to know who God is. And, and I'll get you connected with other guys who I know who are doing that. Okay, so let's... Let's not do this alone. Guys, we don't have to do it alone. We're not meant to do it alone. So let's do it. We'll do it the way guys do it. Okay? <laughs> All right. Uh, nothing. Ladies, no, you're fine. Awesome Bible study thing that they do, and they have you know, coffee and tea and all that kind of stuff. You know, We're going to have splinters in our hands when we're done with those donuts. I'm not sure how that works. But anyways, let me go ahead and pray. We've gone a little long today, and I apologize for that, but... Let's go. Lord, I want to thank you so much for today. Hard words. Hard words to study this week. Um, for me to think through and to ask you where, where it is that I'm failing. Um, where am I going back into old habits, old thinking? Um, but Lord, man, we got to get this. I, I pray, Lord, that you and your gracious and powerful and loving, kind way would grab hold of our hearts as men and that you would motivate us and, and do whatever it takes, Lord, to get us to pursue you because you are a good and gracious Father. You are awesome and you, you care and you want to make an impact in our lives. So Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this morning, the opportunity to worship you together as a church family. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you especially for Jesus his ultimate sacrifice on the cross that allows us to have a relationship with you through faith. And I praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for being with us. You guys have a great week. Go make an impact for Christ.